Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm trying to help bring justice, and I'm also trying to satisfy my own curiosity. I met this woman, and you're not going to believe this. I met her because right before she ripped off the bank for $15 million, she drove her happy ass down to the bank, through LA traffic, parked her Porsche, came upstairs to, we were on like the 20-something floor of a downtown LA building, and brought us homemade pies to thank us for working on this loan for her. I mean, for me, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know if she's a sociopath, but what kind of sociopath knows they're ripping you off and shows their face in your office and brings you pie? And a month later, she takes off with the money. It was, it's bizarre. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Noreen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey, movers, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Murder. I'm your host, Collier Landry. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Anyways, uh, thank you guys for tuning in again to another episode. I've got a great episode today. I'm really excited about my uh, latest guest for today's episode. She's really cool. Um, I met her at Podcast Movement Evolutions not too long ago and then reconnected with her at CrimeCon a couple of weeks ago. So it's really cool. Um, want to give a shout out to all of you guys that are listening and supporting the program. I've had a very significant increase in a lot of the traffic uh, to the podcast. And I know that a lot of you are discovering me on TikTok or Instagram. But for those of you that are coming and joining, that are downloading, they're listening, they're sharing it with your friends, you have no idea how much this means to, to, to me. You, you have no idea. And I, it makes me feel good that the, the message and that the content that I'm creating is connecting with you guys. I mean, that... It means the world to me because this is, you know, this is a labor, a labor of love most of the time. Um, but uh, I want to also give a special shout out to my newest and latest and greatest Patreon subscribers. They are Christina Minogian, Michelle Kimball, and Mary Marshall Wynn. Thank you guys so much for joining and supporting. Uh, it means the world to me. Um, I just, I love all of you guys. Thank you so much. There's my, there's my sort of spiel of the day. Um, but yeah, I'm, um, I'm really, I'm really grateful for the support guys, honestly. And, um, thank you so much. And if you don't follow me on any of the socials, I'm on TikTok. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. It's all at call your Landry. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click like, and subscribe it helps with the algorithm, which helps me 
in the long run. It helps you guys as well. I normally do a, uh, a listener shout out every episode, as you guys know, either from my DMs or somebody posts something on social, but I wanna kind of give a blanket one. And this is a question that I've been running into a lot as the podcast grows and as people are watching more of my content or listening to more of my content. I get this question a lot and it's it's a frustrating question for me and it's it it's it's somewhat annoying but it's not annoying for the normal reasons. Uh, it's not because people are asking me all the time because I think it's a very valid question. Um, the annoying part is that I don't really have a good answer. And that is what happened to my sister who was there when the murder happened and and you guys really want to know what my relationship is like with her. For those of you that have seen the film Murder in Mansfield, you guys know that I've reached out and tried to contact her. Um, straight up, I have not seen her since... I believe January, February of 1991. Her, um, our foster parents, which then became her adopted parents, they didn't want custody of me, so I went into the court system um, after being in foster care. But uh, she was adopted by them, and they um, just decided to remove me from her life, and that was their choice. They were her parents, and um, that's what happened. So. That gives you guys kind of a little bit of a background. I have tried to reconnect with her so many times over the years to no avail. I hear stories every once in a while, but not a lot. She appears to be a ghost on social media. I am not actively trying to make her feel uncomfortable or anything. So I don't, um, you know, I, I'm not aggressive when trying to contact her or anything uh, because I can't find her. And, and uh, if she is listening, I am here for you. I am an open door, an open book. You can come to me anytime. Like I've told all of my family over the years, especially the ones that abandoned me because of this nonsense of my father murdering my mother. Um, <clears throat> I forgive all of you and I want all of you in my life, but that's up to you. It is not for lack of trying on my part. That said, okay, we can move on. We can move past that. Um, but if you guys still ask that question, that's fine too. I just wanted to address it because it's very, a lot of people asking it is such a valid question. It's just for me, it's frustrating because I can't be like, oh yeah, I talked to her or this and that. You know, uh, it's just, it, it's unfortunate. So, um, but you know, hey, Life is what it is. So for those of you who've listened to the podcast or followed me for years since I made the film A Murder in Mansfield, um, you know that there is one thing that I am super, pat. well, there's a lot of things I'm super passionate about. Let's just keep it real. Um, but you know that there's one thing in particular that I'm really passionate about, and that is people's obsession with true crime. I mean, this is a somewhat of a true crime podcast, I guess, because of my story. And I talk to true crime people and survivors, but I'm very, very, very interested in why people are into true crime. Now, um, it, it, when it comes to like murders and, and, you know, just violent crime in general, I am sort of perplexed as someone who has lived through a murder. I don't have any fascination in it, but I am interested in people's reactions and what they see in that. It was one of the amazing things when I went to CrimeCon to talk to true crime fans to kind of really understand, you know, I, I call it an obsession, but, um, you know, just a, a general interest in true crime. Um, so for me, uh, when I get to talk to people that have successful true crime podcasts, I'm like all ears or, or, or they're journalists. Like we've had Chris Hansen on the show, uh, who was amazing. And I asked him what his perception of true crime was and why he thinks people are obsessed with it. I've asked many people, uh, someone such as Rebecca Reisner, who is the writer for forensic files. Now blog, uh, we discussed that in an episode, uh, 
towards the end of last year. And, um, you know, it was great having her on the show and discussing those things. So anyways, um, full can full disclosure though, when it does come to true crime, there are certain things that I am, I mean, I don't ever look at them as true crime, but I guess they really are. There are things I am fascinated in about, and that is like financial crimes, uh, Ponzi schemes, um, people that think that, like the Tinder swindler is a big thing right now. People that think they can get away with shit like this is staggering to me. And maybe that's what people who like, you know, are interested in murders and, and kidnappings and serial killers. Maybe they, maybe that's it. It's just the sheer audacity that somebody has the chutzpah for lack of a better word, chutzpah to, uh, to carry out something like that. I don't know. Anyways, um, that's my thoughts. So my guest today is the host of murderish podcast. My guest, Jamie Rice is also the host of a very new and cool podcast, which is what I want to talk to her about today. And that is called dirty money moves, the women of white collar crime. So we are going to discuss that podcast today because I'm interested in this financial crime stuff. And full disclosure, as I tell her, well, actually, you'll hear our interview. I'll give my thoughts at the end. My guest today is Jamie Rice. She is the creator and host of Murderish, the podcast, which has been around for seven years, five years? Uh, it's four and a half years, going on five years. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> And, you know, I'm, I'm so new to the podcast game, but we um, we were just discussing your latest endeavor, which is something that, you know, I want to have you on because I'm so fascinated with people that are um, really into true crime. That's, you know, been a sort of a fascination my whole life of why are people fascinated with murders and and these killings and kidnappings and things of that nature, having come through this myself. Right. But one of the things I am really fascinated in the true crime world is financial crimes. You have a new series that you were telling me about. Right. And oh boy. Yeah, this is a wild story. So um, I just launched my second podcast. It's called Dirty Money Moves, Women in White Collar Crime. And really the inspiration for the podcast was a woman named Mary Carol McDonald. Uh, who I met in 2018 when I worked for a bank in downtown LA. I used to work for Bank of California. I used to do commercial loans, mostly like commercial real estate financing. Um, but this lady walked in, she was presented to the bank by her high profile attorney, a Hollywood attorney named Barry Rothman. And I didn't know much about of anything about Barry Rothman at the time. And I never knew Mary Carroll. But what we did know uh, is Barry, uh, Barry made sure to present her as she's a very wealthy heiress. She is the heiress to the McDonnell Douglas fortune. McDonnell Douglas was the uh, big aircraft company uh, who merged with Boeing in like the 19... 90s, I want to say. So she was the heiress to the McDonald fortune, which was worth about 400 million. Her cut of it would be about 80 million. And according to Barry, her attorney, she was about to get start getting distributions from that family trust in about a year. So in 2019. So she was also and this part is true. Barry Rothman made sure to let us know she was the CEO of a very successful Los Angeles-based TV production company called oh. Bellum Entertainment. Oh. So, yeah, and Bellum Entertainment was a real company. They've churned out a bunch of true crime TV shows that you guys have 
probably binged, um, unsealed alien files and oh, all yeah, this stuff. Murder with, of, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Murder with, I don't know, just all kinds of murder, murder, murder shows. And um, so she was, so we're like, oh, she's this very wealthy heiress. That's interesting. She's the CEO of a true crime TV production company, which perked my ears up because I, at that time, had already been producing Murderish, my other podcast. So um, long story short, she was referred into the bank by Barry Rothman. And the bank in 2018, early 2018, approved a loan for the heiress for $15 million. Well, as soon as she got her hands on the money, she start, the loan was funded and approved. She started calling into the bank to request, you know, advances on the loan, which she was allowed to do to be put into her bank account. It She racked up a balance of about $14.2 million dollars. And then the bank needed to call her regarding a certain matter and she couldn't be reached. Then the first payment was due. She didn't make the payment. They're like, shit. So we that's when the bank knew, OK, something's up. The bank did some further investigation. Long story short, they found out everything that we had been told was a lie. She was likely not an heiress. Uh, turns out Bellum Entertainment was a real company, but it was in shambles. It was a house of cards about to fall. She had numerous complaints from the labor board by employees of Bellum saying this lady never paid us, which turned out to be true. So the bank she, was in a so real- She was related to the company. She was working for Bellum Entertainment? She was. She was the CEO and founder of Bellum Entertainment, but she was not a wealthy heiress. She had no relation to the McDonald family, but that was just a story she had been telling almost like her whole life. And uh, we believe it's very, very likely that Barry knew all of this and was in on the scam because now that we've started this. So what happened was then there was a shit storm at the bank, right? The bank's like, oh, we've sure. just been scammed out of $15 million. And it was really stressful. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with the loan, but my three colleagues who I worked very closely with, they're the ones who brought her in as a client and they ultimately got fired and they had nothing to do with this, by the way. We were all, I mean, none of us knew none of this was true. They thought they were making a loan to a wealthy heiress, CEO. Yeah. So, but they got fired. Um, I left the bank about a month after this happened because it was just a shit storm. I was no longer happy working there, but I always remembered this incident and this woman. And I always told myself, I'm going to do a podcast on this woman someday, but I just need some time. I need to be able to research die, And boy, did we ever. So <laughs> I would say like six months ago, seven months ago, my team and I started researching Mary Carol McDonald and we uncovered so much on her that it's just wild. This woman has been able to pull off scams totaling about $44 million to date that we can prove. Um, and she doesn't scam vulnerable people. I mean, she scams very smart people, attorneys out of millions of dollars. Yeah, this is she like scammed. an Anna Delvey type situation. Yes, she and, is mean, inventing it's Anna. The same time, right? It really is. And, and she she's inventing Anna. Mary Carol McDonald is like Anna Delvey on steroids because oh, wow. Mary Carol was able to pull off multiple, multiple, multiple scams totaling like forty four million dollars against very smart people and smart institutions. We're talking 
You know, Bank of California is a publicly traded bank. Uh, they're worth a few billion dollars in assets when I worked for, there. For like 100 years. For a while. Yeah. Not 100 years, but a while. I mean, yeah. they're definitely a notable bank. And she was able to scam them out of $15 million. And they're not the only ones. So she's fascinating. She she Her hustle is as impressive as it is disgusting. I mean, it's it's impressive what she was able to pull off. And I just became obsessed with her when I left the bank. And I always knew that I would research her one day and dive into the story. And we have, and we've uncovered so much. And there's even Hollywood ties. So this guy, Barry Rothman, right after she took off with the money, before the FBI could even question him about his alleged involvement in the scam, he dropped dead under bizarre circumstances. No way. And Yes. And so we're all thinking she had something to do with it, right? Like she often before she left town because he knew too much and maybe she didn't want to share the $15 million with him. But he has ties to the Michael Jackson scandal. He was, if you Google Barry Rothman, he essentially tried to extort $20 million out of Michael Jackson and found himself at war with the King of Pop and the King of Pop's legal team. I mean, he's not so... Barry Rothman turns out, yes, he was a practicing entertainment lawyer who, by the way, represented The Who, The Rolling Stones, Yolanda Hadid. Like he was a notable attorney. But as we've researched him, we have uncovered some shadiness in his past that he's a very colorful guy and uh, not necessarily in a good way. Um, so it seems like him and Mary Carroll were sort of like destined to link up at Destin, some point. Yeah, they're star-crossed lovers, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You to think of them as lovers, gross. But um, yeah, I mean, they were just the perfect pair, and they pulled it off. Uh, but then Barry died before he could enjoy the money. Very interesting. So okay, so really fast, is she incarcerated? She's or not. So is she on the run? Do people know where she's yes. at? Is she just fighting this or is she like holed up in Bailey somewhere? She's essentially on the run. So she took off with the money. We Nobody that I know of has heard from her or seen her since, you know, that 2018 when she got the money from Bank of California. Now, as far as I know, she's currently with her third husband, uh, a doctor um, and a I don't know how much he knows about her or if he's listened to the podcast and discovered some new things about his wife. I don't know, but I got to believe that he knows something, but essentially, no, she is not responding to anything. She has invoked her fifth amendment right through her attorney. Uh, they've been, you know, she's been indicted on six charges relating to the $15 million hustle on yeah. bank of California. So she's been indicted by a federal prosecutor. So she uh, but she's not appeared in court since then. And now she has stopped responding altogether, invoking her Fifth Amendment right. So she's on the run. And I don't know what the next move is. I currently don't know where she is, but we're trying to find that out. There's so much to unpack here. And, right. you know, I met you uh, at Podcast Evolutions, I believe. And then we were just at CrimeCon together. And like I, when I had approached you, I, as someone who's been through, a, you know, a murder and and lived this sort of true crime lifestyle, I'm absolutely obsessed with this. And you know, I just had Chris Hansen on the program a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking. Oh, that's about, awesome! Yeah, armchair. Oh, thank you. Yeah, he was great. And um, he, we were discussing the whole armchair detective theory and things like that because, you know, and I I, I listened to your podcast, and <clears throat> you know, you're very it, it's it's 
it's amazing to me because the amount of like research and detail that you go into and you're just you're basically i mean at least the episodes that i listen to is you just telling the whole story and it's sure. very you know it's very well done and you know my friend alexis linkletter does first degree with, with billy hansen and jack van eck and again like so much research so much and then discussion and just it's really really cool and thank you so i'm sort of yeah you're welcome for sure and i'm i'm you know, I had a reticence going to crime con as a victim survivor. Right. And, uh, you know, because again, like, why are people fascinated? Why, you know, Mm -hmm. but I personally am so interested in these financial scams and just, so so I guess it's, it almost like when these things happen, like obviously the murders have been solved. You know what's happened. These people are incarcerated. But this is something that you're like actively, you're personally connected to first, which is sure, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, at least it's not a murder, right? It's awesome. <laughs> right, right. Scam. Yes. And it's yes. awesome that you're not like you're a part of it, but you're not, you know, you. I'm not a victim of hers. Yeah, you're not. Which a is, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, for sure. And right. And you're. Um, and now you're actively pursuing this like, yeah, let's go get this bitch. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's really what it is. And the more people that we can get to listen to the podcast, um, you know, the more there is a chance that somebody know has spoken with her and could give us a clue as to where she is. She's talking to somebody. She has to. She has children. You know, she certainly has a family. She has friends, I'm sure. Well, maybe not many now um, because she's ripped off a lot of her friends. But um, yeah, I mean, we are actively investigating this and I'm getting weekly DMs and emails from people saying, I knew her and this, this and this and divulging certain information, which is amazing. And I'm just hoping that it just takes that one person to find out about the podcast and go, you know what? Oh my gosh, I have information because what we're finding is that first off, we're, we are the first uh, people to bring this story forth. Nobody has told Mary Carol's story. And we have truly uncovered things that are blowing people's minds because, and blowing my own mind. I didn't know there was this much to the story. I suspected that she had some something interesting in her past and probably had done this before. I had no idea to the, the gravity of what she's done and how long she's been doing it and who's been affected and how she's gotten other people involved to help her. I mean, how does she do this? So, um, it is pretty cool. We are in actively investigating it. And I am hoping that it just takes one person to reach out and go, you know what? I, I, I have an idea where she might be. This is why. And, you know, I will get on a plane. My researcher and I have already committed. And it's not that I can go and arrest her. It's not that I would interject myself into, you know, what she's already been indicted for. I can't I can't do anything, but I would absolutely just want to observe and confirm that, yep, there she is. And I would pass along that information to the prosecutor. And they may very well know where she is right now. If the FBI is involved, I got to believe they probably know exactly where she is. Yeah. But for some reason, haven't moved in. And I don't know why. Um, but I would just want to confirm for myself, since I have such an interest in this case, I would get on a plane. I don't care where she is. I would get on a plane and just confirm it for myself. I would pass that information along to whoever's investigating this and see where it takes them. You know, I don't want I'm, my goal is not to interfere uh, and and get in the way of justice. I'm trying to help bring justice. And I'm also trying to satisfy my own curiosity. I met this woman. 
and you're not going to believe this. I met her because right before she ripped off the bank for $15 million, she drove her happy ass down to the bank through LA traffic, parked her Porsche, came upstairs to, we were on like the 20 something floor of a downtown LA building and brought us homemade pies to thank us for working on this loan for her. I mean, for me, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know if she's a sociopath, but what kind of sociopath knows they're ripping you off and shows their face in your office and brings you pie. And a month later, she takes off with the money. It was, it's bizarre. And none of us knew. I mean, we thought she was this wealthy heiress, you know, CEO bringing us these pies. It's just, that's how I met her. I shook her hand and I can tell you what she was wearing. She looked the part, she looked rich. She had an expensive handbag in one hand and two pies in the other. So just fascinating because if I were her, I mean, I feel like if I were her and I was about to pull off a $15 million money grab, I would not want to show my face to the people I'm ripping off. That takes a special kind of person. But Mary Carol McDonald did do that. And that's how I met her uh, in our office. That is just bonkers. And so, yeah, it's, you are, you are the armchair detective. You are literally actively, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. Uh, you and you have this personal connection to it. I'm, I'm really fascinated. I mean, you, you know, it's like, um, I watched that film. Don't fuck with cats. Oh God. Yes. On accident. Bizarre. Very bizarre. Very scary. I don't normally watch those types of things. And I also don't normally like go and double check the lock on my front door. But I did that mm -hmm. night. I was like, oh, just make sure it's okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you look at something like that. And I, I don't know what I found more terrifying, honestly. It, was it be, what the perpetrator this guy did? Or was it the fact that these people were so relentless in social media and could delve into all this stuff? to find this person because they seem just as yeah, but, and pedantic yeah. about this. And I'm like, that's terrifying too. So I'm, I'm terrified yeah. of, of both of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, both angles are interesting. So part of the reason I'm interested in true crime is I don't want the gory details. I, I don't, that, that's not at all what I'm after. I wanna dive into the mind of a killer. I want to dive into the mind because they are so far from the average everyday human being, their psychology. What is it about their brain that makes them different enough to be able to pull off and and be able to murder? I could never murder somebody. I mean, you hurt my kids. I could probably murder sure, for that. 100%, 100%. But right, right. Or my dogs. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, but you know, my family, but yeah, but, but, but it takes a special kind of person, I think, you know, their psychology to be able to murder somebody. But equally fascinating are the investigators. What tactics do they use, whether they're a professional investigator or armchair detectives? I'm so fascinated by what tactics they've used to be able to find the killer, find the per it's it's fascinating. I'm also really I don't I don't want to keep using the same uh, <laughs> the same um, what is the word? What is the word I'm looking for? I don't want to keep saying fascinating, but yeah. what I find very interesting is how people seem to, in this day and age, think that they can get away with this shit. Exactly. Because it's just it's like the Tinder swindler guy who, of yeah. course, is is has gotten away with it. He's getting he a, has. A, a, a a deal. He's signed with like UTA or some big agency, and they're going to get him a dating show. I mean, what a gross! What a piece of shit! First gross. Of all, and second of all, it's like what a um, you know it, it is fascinating to me the the chutzpah or just the just 
or the sociopathy and the psychopathy behind these people that actually the narcissism that they actually yes. think they're going to get away with this shit and then they yes. do and then you're just like fuck them and it pisses you off it does it really does because you just <clears throat> you know you want to have the sense of justice right and you want to see these things uh to fruition and you want to go okay i want to see the bad guy go to jail yes and sadly it feels like a lot of times the this in this day and age that is just something that is it is not the case hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're you're exactly right, and and that I am the type of person, and I know I'm not the only one. I I get so angry when there's a misjustice, like like injustice. I'm sorry, like O.J. Simpson. It pisses me off still to this day. That's like it's so obvious that he did it, but he really never has had to pay for that brutal double murder. And, you know, in the case of Mary Carol McDonald, you know, part of me thinks, and, and I'm not the only one, Mary Carol McDonald, she's so, um, she's so uh, uh, probably narcissistic. Again, I am not a doctor, so I cannot diagnose her, but she's probably narcissistic. She is self-absorbed. She'd probably be flattered to know that we're doing a podcast oh, solely based on oh, her. Come on. But I want to be the one laughing when she's perp walked, and I'm and I'm totally dramatized in my mind. Yeah, she's yeah, perp walked. It's your fantasy. It's great. Yeah, it's my fantasy. But I want to be the last one laughing, and all the people that she stiffed and ruined financially to go. Yeah, cool. We have a podcast about you. I'm glad that flatters you. But now you're behind bars, right? Like that would be so amazing. Um, but part of me thinks she's probably flattered by it in oh, some way. Oh, hundred percent. You know, it's really funny you said that. Like I'm thinking about my podcast, right? And uh, you know, I started going viral on TikTok recently, like in a, like a week ago when we were at CrimeCon or whatever. And I um, I started thinking like the other day, I wonder if people are reaching out to my father in prison. Oh, because yeah. Stalker did that for sure. But I'm wondering like, oh, are people reaching out to him and being like, oh, we've, we discovered you. We discovered you on this podcast that your son has. And, you know, <laughs> I can only imagine. And that yeah. was just, and I think that, you know, somebody said to me, do you think your father listens to your podcast? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really care either. But um, the thing to me is I started thinking, well, yeah, what if he does? And what if these people just reach out to him? Because there are obviously fans and people that, are, you know, there are people out there listening who could go and tell your father, hey, this is what he's saying. And not that you care, obviously, because we're putting ourselves out there. We know that that's a, a risk we run, you know, whether we care about it or not. Sure. But it, I think the same thing with, with this new podcast with Mary Carol. She's got friends and family who are going to find out about it and they're going to tell her. And I, I wonder if what she would think about it. Right. And, it, and it's kind of surreal because there are sources that we've used who know very Mary Carol very well, but they've want, they want to stay anonymous. This person that I'm thinking of right now, who's been a major source for us of information, I'm sure they are blown away. It's surreal for them to listen. And they're saying they're learning new things. They never knew about this person that they've yeah. known for however many years, you know? So I thought that was interesting when you were saying that it's like, there's people out there listening, probably 
letting your father know, you know, the things that you're saying on your podcast about him, which is a little, it's weird, but <laughs> we run that risk. I mean, here we're putting ourselves out there. Yeah, we do for sure. Um, you know, I would, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it, it, it was something and it, it never really occurred to me, but it was after crime con and I'm like, I wonder because people ask me that they say, Oh, do you think your father, your father listens? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't really know. I don't really know. I mean, I don't know if he's seen my documentary. I don't know any of that. You know, I think for me, obviously what I've been through is this is the murder of my mother by my father. I witness it. I put him in prison, you know, or he put himself in prison, but I, I, right. You know, the, the scary thing is that, you know, it was treated as a missing persons case. And it was this 11 year old kid saying, you know, I know she's dead. And then I find the picture of the house and you know, it's where they ultimately find my mother's body buried in another state and things like that. Right. So I look at the destruction because for me, my impetus of just even moving to Los Angeles to become a filmmaker and do all this is, uh, you know, from that moment that all of this occurred, I was like, I need to do something with this story. And I also need to honor my mother. And mm -hmm. that became this sort of relentless drive for me because, you know, back when I made the film or, or long before I made the film, actually, I realized that we as a, as an, as a society, you know, look at the situation okay, you know, the victim is dead. The bad guy goes to jail. The gavel hits judge says, you know, next States gets its restitution. And we don't look at the consequences of violence. And the consequences and the ramifications on communities, families, you know, uh, those types mm -hmm. of ancillary victims, right? And, you know, now that's become way more in fashion. And now people are really examining these things for, for good or bad, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. Because with that comes a lot of victim shaming and judgment and, and things of yes. that nature, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, when I think about financial crimes, which I often will refer to as financial violence, Mm -hmm. I almost feel like it is even more insidious than somebody killing someone. Hmm. You think about the destruction and the collateral damage of someone that maybe invests their life savings, like with a Bernie Madoff, for example, or yeah. this woman who takes, who takes money right now, obviously a bank and obviously there's some ramifications and of course because people work at a bank somebody's going to get fired somebody's going to be held sure. accountable, even though they they don't know any better than than anyone else right right that doesn't necessarily matter but what i find probably the most insidious thing about these financial crimes is the people who you know worked their whole life invested their 401k then they wake up one day and go it they were a scammer it's gone and then you think about how that translates into life, right? <clears throat> so mm -hmm. if you're if you're retired, okay, you have no more retirement. What do you do? But also if you're younger, and then this throws a monkey wrench into your fi family planning, your family's financial security and future, what does that lead to? Violence, right? That's mm -hmm. going to lead to another form. If your spouse loses all your money, you might want to kill him. Mm -hmm. And you might actually do it. So I feel like in a lot of ways, these types of fraud, these crimes of fraud, these, these cons, they're ultimately a lot more, I mean, obviously I don't want to ignore the devastation of a, of a murder. Of course, of course. That because it's devastating, 
But and, and, but speaking of with my sort of authority on the subject, I think that really when you look at these financial crimes, because we treat them as more benign and not for as actually as they are, like a financially violent way of treating someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're looking at those repercussions and ramifications on families and then how that also incites violence. I think that is probably the most tragic thing about these situations and also the thing that I find most fascinating. Yeah, I I absolutely hear what you're saying. And, you know, with Mary Carol McDonald specifically, it was a slow burn. She I think about the damage she does to somebody's psychology, like their 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 um, mental well-being, because she had been manipulating them for so long. She had very close friends and colleagues who knew her, who trusted her, who loved her so much so that when she came knocking on their door, I'm talking about she had some attorney friends and some old colleagues in the TV business who were wealthy people, um, came knocking on their door and said, hey, do you want to invest in my family trust as the heiress? She's like, you know, my family trust has a gifting program. We'll get you a 20, 30% return. And you know- Programs. Yes, and they went for it. And in one case, I mean, one of her close friends, and I'm talking these are close friends of hers who trusted her, invested over $3 million of their money. Do you know what that must have done to his marriage, his family, his financial well-being, the plans he had for his own business, his own you know, retirement, that, that he'll never get that money back? And that was his friend. So now he's trying to deal with Oh my God, I I loved this woman. She was, I trusted her. She was my friend and she just ripped me off in cold blood. It's like, yeah, the money's gone, but now he's also left with the damage, you know, to his mental wellness over what she did. And and I think that this could, you know, lead couples to get a divorce because it puts such a strain on the family financially. Suicide. Suicide, you're absolutely right. So there are all these you know, things, these, these, um, what do you call it? That, that could happen uh, in the aftermath of it that you don't think about it. It's not that she took, just took $3 million from a guy who was doing pretty well in life. You know, she could have caught, she caused so much other residual yeah. damage that cannot be defined. Yeah. It's not like she scammed like Bill Gates out of $3 million. What is that? Like, right. You know, <laughs> like a drop, yeah, like, drop in the like, bucket, like him losing his, you know, lo- dropping a nickel on the sidewalk. Um, sure. This is these are people that like that represents a, a substantial portion of their of their uh, you know financial stability. And stability, yeah, and and life planning and things like that. And then they can't pay the mortgage; they lose their house. You know, this spirals, and then you know, the, the, you know, then they get into a car accident. They start taking opioids, and then <laughs> you're exactly right. You could say that is exactly right, and um, you know. I don't know when you when you said suicide, it's like yeah. Barry Rothman. I told you her her colorful attorney yeah. who had ties to Michael Jackson, what he did with that alleged victim's father, he and the alleged victim's father try both. It seems like they teamed up to try to extort 20 million from Michael Jackson. But when all was said and done, you know, the father ended up um, dying by suicide. Yeah, uh, he was never the same. And I'm not saying he was that good of a person. It sounds like he he definitely used his son's potential, tra- you know, tragedy for his own financial gain. That's what it seems like happened. Sure. But it, it, there's just all this stuff, this bigger, these bigger things that can happen that you just keep re-victimizing people over and over and over again when you mess with 
you know, like you said, their financial stability and you, you just steer them in the wrong direction. And Mary Carol certainly, I mean, she just did it over and over and over again. And she did it to people who were the closest to her. We have evidence that she, you know, forged the signature of her own sons on court documents that would implicate them oh, well, in my, a potential my crime. Forged my mother's name on the house that they, my mother's body was buried in disgusting i mean it's disgusting and um people do these things and i'm i'm fascinated i'm disgusted by it but i am fascinated by it because again it is so far outside of what the normal average everyday human being is would be capable of doing oh yeah um you know but yeah mary carroll was a very is a very very selfish and tenacious scammer. I mean, she is tenacious. I have people that tell me that she tried to get them to invest in her gifting program. And when they repeatedly told her no, she was not happy. And she would keep going at them and going at them and yeah. going at them. The word no never meant anything to her. But um, well, no, they're, they're, yeah. they're insulted. Their narcissism is insulted by the fact that how dare you, ins- how dare you insinuate that what I'm offering you is anything but legitimate. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. You you really insult them, and then you're and then you're like, but like I don't like no, I don't want to participate in that. Yeah. And it's um, it's interesting. I've I've seen this happen, even in in situations where people are you know, <clears throat> doing like you know, the. I've just seen it happen so much and and oh yeah very like the salesman approach they just get angry like how dare you say that I'm yes that I'm inauthentic gaslight the shit out of people like no but that's exactly what this this is like yeah I paid for this and they're like how dare you I'm insulted yeah it's just so gross it's so gross and it's, it's destructive it's manipulative it's destructive and um and there's no shortage of it in the world which is really scary you're exactly right. And you know, it's, it's and people, you like you them. said, you reward them. Like, look at the 10. Yes. Then they're rewarded. So you just keep going. Anna Delphi got how 300 does... grand, didn't she? For Netflix to be able to tell her story or I, I, I don't, don't know, know how all that worked. But, but And again, you, you sort of go, well, okay, why in the hell don't they go? Okay, great. Yeah. She got 300 grand. We're going to take 90% of that and disperse that to your victims. You know, where is that sort of thing? But there's always some mm-hmm. lawyer that's behind it that's looking out for them because they're looking out for their own interests and their yeah. paycheck. And it's just, you know, I have many friends that work in law enforcement and they're like, the American justice system is fucked, but it's still yeah. in the world. And it's like, yeah, <sighs> it, it kind of is. And Scary. As as it, that's very frightening. And it's like, you think about things that go on in other countries where people sure. legitimately act with complete impunity. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they do. They can invade a country, a sovereign yeah. country, and be like, screw you. It's it's um it's 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 mind boggling. It is, and we see the we do see of all of it. Uh, yes. I think we see our own form of that here in the in the United States because we see uh Harvey Weinstein was able to get away with being not just a creeper, but a full-blown rapist and sexual predator in Hollywood for decades. And so many people knew it, but he's a powerful, 
celebrity with a ton of money and people cover it up and they don't talk about it. You know, OJ Simpson, go, sorry, but I'm obsessed. But it's like, you know, that if that's not star power at, at play, the reason why he was not convicted, that's a big part of it. So I think we do see it here in the in the United States that all these power Bill Cosby, I, and look, people believe one way or another. I know I know what I believe about him based on what's been presented. Um, and I, be, I believe it's a huge injustice that that man is not behind bars right now. And, and you know, it's just we, these celebrities and powerful politicians and powerful people with money are they get a different form. They get a different justice system than you and I get. They just do. Uh, they just absolutely well, do. I mean, Harvey Weinstein is in prison. Let's acknowledge he that. is. He is. It just should have been sooner. Sure, yeah, but he's fucked. I mean, the end of his life is going is fucking miserable. Let's just right. keep it real. So I think there is some justice in that. And there is some sort of sure. solace that the victims can take. The thing that I'm bummed about the most is that he made such great movies. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, I, I know. I so love these films that he made, and then that you find out he's a complete. I mean, and, and you know, my director, you know, she had an instance with him and her friend, and she's mm. like, "Yeah, he's a, he is a full blown just he's a sexual predator." Wow. And, you know, I remember she was, we were in Amsterdam. She was sharing me some of his stories, and, and I was just like, "This is terrible." But again, he's at least behind bars. But I think it's sort sure. of when you see these people, the Anna Delvies of the world, the uh, Tinder swindlers, these people that then they're turned around and rewarded. Mm-hmm. For it. I mean, like somebody said to me, you know, I hope that you're I did it. I did an episode um, about Chris Watts and my mm. father. I call it the sociopath mashup. And I literally take because somebody had recommended that I watch this Chris Watts um, documentary, which is all found footage and, and found footage, you know, body cam interviews, her Facebook, the wife's Facebook videos. And that's it. it and courtroom footage. So um, it's not like a documentary in that sort of sense where they're interviewing people. Um, Mm -hmm. What I found, first of all, it creeped me out. I didn't know what I was gonna be watching and it was the story is just disgusting and tragic and it's terrible. But also the thing that, that when I was watching it, I'm looking at the, at his mannerisms and the victim narcissism and everything. I'm like, this is my father. So I literally do an episode where it's side by side, Chris Watts, and my father. So I show Chris Watts what he's talking about. Then I analyze that. Then I talk about my father and I literally show courtroom footage. I show footage from my documentary with me talking to him, the way they change their stories, all these things. And then they the, like the victim narcissism thing. But somebody said to me, you know, or one of the things in the Chris Watts documentary is he, he says he's haunted by the sounds of his children's voices as he's snuffing them out essentially. And somebody said to me, you know, do you think that your father, you know, I really, I really hope that your father, every night when he lays his head down, uh, can hear your mother's voice. And I, you know, do you think that is the case? And I said, I said, this is what you're missing. My father's a sociopath. He's he he doesn't have any empathy. So sure. Even as much as I'd love to think that or whatever, I mean, for me, it's like that's sort of a, you know, that's like a revenge or a sort of anger thing with me and I don't have that you know I've made mm-hmm. peace with the situation long ago um, but you know, I was explaining to this person I said you know first of all I don't really wish that but second of all I don't even think it's possible mm-hmm. because, I don't, because people like that you, the way to understand these people is to understand that they are not wired in a way you're exactly right that's and right that is the and that is the whole thing so when you look at the way that these 
you know, again, the mendacity with which they conduct themselves, their lives, their business, whatever it is, you, you, you have to go, well, that's just not normal, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. I think that that also is one of those things that drives people's interest in true crime is trying to really understand the psychology behind all of it. Like, why would they mm -hmm. do this? Yeah. Yeah. And most murders are not committed by sociopaths, you know, they're just not. But it but but um, like you said, your father and, you know, I think of like BTK, well, the, my, my Dennis Rader. My mother's murder was premeditated. And I don't think a lot yes. of people understand. they'll watch the the film and they go, oh, so he pushed her and this. I'm like, no, no, no. He, he planned it. House. He asked about lowering the basement floor months in advance. He yeah. His girlfriend signed my mother's name on the on the, the purchase agreement. He then asks to move in early. He rents a jackhammer. He buys the indoor-outdoor carpeting that covers her grave, the tarp that she's wrapped on. All those were purchased. Like, I saw them sitting on my porch months yeah. ahead of time. Right. Like, this was a right. calculated thing. And I think that's, you know, it's not the crime of passion. You know, no. what you're saying is like, you know, most of them aren't committed by sociopaths. Um, you know, it's 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 not the crime of passion. It's the, it's the crime of... I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And I'm smarter than everyone in the world. Yeah. And I'm going to get. Yeah. And I'm going to pull it off. That's the thing. And yes. And he doesn't No, Yeah. But he, I don't, I don't know your father, but I suspect he doesn't lose sleep at night because he's not wired to lose sleep at night. Like, God, if I had it to do all over again, she probably suffered this and that. They're not wired that way. We're never going to get that out of a sociopath. And it's like, yeah, I think of BTK, Dennis Rader, infamous serial killer that that guy will never lose an ounce of sleep. Human beings are not something with a beating heartbeat and a family and a story. They are an object. He does not feel any empathy. That's just not how he's wired. They are an object. They probably had it coming, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, he, he, they just sociopaths are a whole different animal, for lack of a better word. They really are just not like you and me. Um, I almost hit a coyote on the way here, and I would have been crying on the way sure. to my office if I had hit that coyote. I mean, that just, I hit a squirrel. It's just that it makes me sad you know um that's how most of us are when i hear a true crime story and there's a dog involved oh my god my heart oh, breaks oh, tell me about children it. yeah you know so we are all wired that way we're like oh my god no not the dog not the baby not the but you know these guys these sociopaths is that's just not how they're wired at all they are a different type of human being for sure well that was the thing with my story too that some people get it actually somebody mentioned to me this morning on social media they said you know are you ever going to talk about your your dog and tell the story that you told me and i was like yeah which was you know essentially you know i was taken from my home really by child services they're they're the crime lab is in the home looking for my mother's body i say can i said um i, I want to take my dog because he said like you have 20 minutes to pack a bag and you're out of here and um and this is when i was convinced my father was going to kill me because he he you know a, a couple of days before that he said I wanna, i'm going to take you to florida for a medical conference and i told the police investigator that i was working with i said i've been able to swim since age four i'm going to drown in the gulf of mexico like that's just mm. what's going to happen i was like you need to yeah. get the fuck out of there and um i don't think i used the f word at the time but you know yeah. i was like i need to get out of there get out of and here yeah you knew and he knew and he knew like oh this is probably the only potential witness to this murder and he's mm -hmm. going to be gone. And then, but anyways, I said, can I take my dog? And they said, well, come back for him. I never saw my dog again. Ugh. I never found out what happened to my dog. Oh. It always bothered me. 
course. Flash forward to I'm doing the premiere of the film in my hometown, in the theater that my mom used to volunteer at. Yeah. 2,000 people. Really, like, really just an amazing, an amazing, an amazing thing to 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 be able to do. Mm-hmm. And the projector goes down because it's so hot. It's like 103 degrees. And I, I noticed, and I had noticed a woman wanting to, uh, I don't know why I'm getting off on this tangent, but I noticed a woman yeah, it's interesting. before the show. And then this projector goes down. I run upstairs. I knew it overheated. I was like, oh, I hope it didn't blow a bulb. You know, me working Hollywood. I know these things. I've seen it happen. It's yeah. been many times. Um, but this woman comes up to me in this sort of forced intermission. And this is like totally my mother's spirit at work too. Mm. She comes up to me in the intermission and she goes, you know, I was, um, you know, I'm starting to bother you. I didn't, um, you know, I wanted to talk to you earlier. And I was like, oh yeah, I had noticed you. How are you? And she said, I think we had your dog. Did you have a oh. your fox terrier? And I was like, yeah. And then I just like. Oh, of course like, you like, did. Like, oh. I want to tell you that we received him and we, we, all, we weren't sure if it was your dog, but she's like, I grew up on a farm. We had horses, pigs. He lived the best life. He would Aww. sleep with the little piggies in the pig pen. He, was, he had space to roam. We loved him so much. He lived a long and happy life. And he, he, just, he was a really happy dog and we took really good care of him. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, that is the best story ever and for anybody who loves animals which is i would venture to say most human beings um that's so touching um oh my gosh anytime it involves an animal you just your heart breaks because they're so innocent it's just like kids you want nothing bad in this world to ever happen to an innocent animal an innocent child an innocent you know anybody oh i love that story and i probably was your dog that's no, it, insane. It definitely, it definitely was my dog. It wasn't probably. Oh it was my dog. She's like, do you acquired oh. hair fox terrier? I said, yeah. Like that's it. That's amazing. And it, it was so really. It was. It was really cool. But it's like, you know, you, you know, I, my whole life was in pursuit of making that film and telling that story, right? And it, it still has. I mean, obviously, I'm. It's just this is the podcast. Is just another version of this, right? And, um, you know. The amount, uh, you know, you talk about <clears throat> when this woman gets caught, right? And the and the and the, you, you you see her doing the perp walk, and people are like, "Okay, you bitch, you're going to prison." You know, the amount of satisfaction that that gets people is just like, "Okay, well, at least there's some sort of sense of justice." You multiply that times, you know, also with me being able to tell the story and having these unanswered questions. And look, I never, my father would never admit while well, he killed my mother. And that was the literal reason why I did all this. I wanted to get mm-hmm. those answers. And then I realized mm-hmm. that, that was, and I did a TED talk about this. What if the answer you seek is not the answer you need? Mm-hmm. And it ended up being that I didn't need that. To, I didn't need that for closure. In fact, if I had, if I had gotten this sort of confession from him, I probably would have had more questions. And coming to that level of acceptance and self-awareness and understanding, okay, this is what, um, this is uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with this and moving on is, is so key to your own mental health. I mean, this is mental health awareness month, right? And, but also, you know, being able to have those answers to those things that have always bothered you, or, you know, I was abandoned by my entire family and thrown into the foster care system. 
both sides of my family were like, we want nothing to do with you. I was 11. <laughs> that blows so my mind. That absolutely my father, blows my mind. You know, yeah, it's insane. And, but because of all that, and then the film and everything, I've discovered these new uh, relatives of mine that were, you know, like cousins, mm. you know, on both sides of my family that were always curious what happened to me. And we're always like, why didn't anyone take this kid? But they didn't mm -hmm. really know. Then the film comes out and they're like, oh my God, here he is. And then they discover the podcast and they discover me on TikTok. And then they're like mm -hmm. reaching out. We're having these conversations and I'm getting to have this. I mean, look, I was adopted into a, a great family and a, a big family. And, and that was that was wonderful, right? But Amazing, yeah. To be able to, to be able to have these reconnections with other family members was really is that I didn't even know that we're like, we just want you to know that we didn't stop thinking about you. Yeah. Wonderful. That means a lot. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. And, and again, those things have just, you know, tying those loose ends in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and opening these new doors and going, Oh, okay. Not everybody was bad in my, and we got fire trucks and, <laughs> I hear. Um, we uh put your camera on it. I want to see what's going on. No, I'm just right. kidding. It's one of those days. It's like every time you try to record, and I have neighbors moving in across the hall too. So that's fine. Oh yeah. Just add a little cherry on top. Just add a little, you know, at least there's no construction. At least they did all the hacksawing and drilling earlier. <laughs> um, no, but it's, it, you know, it, there is, you know, and one of the reasons why I do my program is because I want people to know because look, when I was in foster care, 12 years old, facing, sort of staring down the barrel, the nadir of my life, if you will, going, okay, I'm testifying, like my life is over either way. But if my father, if I don't you testify against my father to what I know is the truth, you know, uh, let's say he gets off. Well, I, I'm either gonna, I'm probably gonna find myself in a ditch or I'm going to be tortured the rest of my life. I came from an Italian Irish family, like he's Italian, mm -hmm. you know, they don't mm -hmm. take particularly too kind to that mm -hmm. uh, betrayal in the family. So he's going to ruin my life or my life is ruined and he goes to prison and, and it's still I, I, without a mother and a father. And I'm trying to figure out where, and I have no family that wants me. So I got to figure that whole thing out. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, I guess uh, when I do what I do, it's because I want to speak to that 12 year old kid that mm -hmm. was literally going. And that's why I made the film. And it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this to change my life and to sort of put the final button on this chapter of my life, which I've worked up until this point to do. Right. And then I want to speak to that one kid that's literally in the same situation I am to let them know that it's going to be okay. Yeah. To get through it. And yeah. that's continually why I do all of this. And, you know, it's sort of that, giving people you know hope that the world isn't as fucked as it is and as big as it is it's still a beautiful and wonderful and amazing place and and like yes it gives you so many gifts and not all people are created are monsters no and i i and still believe most people are good with it oh I do yeah too. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's amazing, you know, you as a perfect example, it is absolutely just amazing what the human, what we're able to get, the kind of trauma, the level of trauma that we're actually able to endure 
and get through as human beings. I mean, you were a child when the most unspeakable thing happened to you and nobody, unless you've been in your shoes, can even imagine how do you even recover from that? But sure. you are a prime example of that. And we as human beings, uh, it's amazing that we can get through something like that. And it's wonderful that you're doing this because there are other 12 year old boys and girls and children out there who've gone through these unspeakable tragedies who are probably in the depths of despair. Like what, what is my life going to become? Who's going to help me through life? How am I going to survive this? So to see somebody who's actually done it and is doing it is, is amazing for them. And I'm sure inspirational. I hope so. It yeah, seems like I would imagine it is. It has to be. That's the overwhelming has to be. thing. And it makes you feel good. That's like, yeah, I, I love doing the podcast. I love this. So cool. And I think the more you talk about it, like you're not brushing it under the rug. And I everybody deals with this type of thing differently. And there is no right or wrong way. But I got to believe that you talking about it has got to provide you with some level of additional healing each time you do and you just talk it through with people and give your perspective and get their perspective rather than brushing it under the rug. Absolutely. Um, you're very open with it. So Jamie, in a way you're, you're sort of, you're doing something with a situation that was traumatic for you. I mean, it, it might not be as devastating as a murder or things, but that's a traumatic experience to go through and see your colleagues kind of go down in this, this, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously murderish uh, is deals with murders and, and cases of, of that type of ilk, right? Mm -hmm. How do you sort of, and what do you find in ways that people cope? And how do you cope with just hearing this over and over again and really dissecting these cases? I'm sure, you know, not every case gets to you, but I'm sure that when you're, when you're discussing and researching, you know, you, you sort of delve into, I mean, I spoke to uh, Heather from uh, Big Mad True Crime. Mm -hmm. Love Heather. Yeah. She, she was like, we started talking about Chris Watts and she goes, yeah, I do a 10 parter on, I delve through the 2000 pages of court documents that I read through. And I'm just, and then she's like, it's, it's fucked. Like there's so much that people don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how does that like, how do you know, this is what I asked Chris Hansen too, with the, with the pedophile. It's like, you know, it's it just, it's nonstop. Let's say, you know, there's so much because it just keeps happening over and over again. There's no shortage of it. Mm -hmm. How do you sort of cope? How do you sort of move past? when you read about these things and, and deal with them. I mean, you have children or. Yeah, I do. And yeah. Family and I'm sure there's things that jilt you that you go, God, why is this? Is the whole world <laughs> fucked? I mean, you know, what do you yeah, it, process? It's really, it, it, like you said, certain cases are much harder than others. Uh, Gabriel Fernandez was a little boy who was essentially, you know, Definitely if you're from LA. LA. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. So I covered his case and, and that that case will stick with me forever um, <clears throat> and haunt me. And, and I am not the only one. His case is just the absolute worst I've ever heard of. The only solace that I can take from that and, and maybe others feel the same way is that we learn something from it. He can never, ever be brought back to this earth. And it's devastating to even think about that. But um, he deserves so much better. But but we can learn from it and and it will not it will not prevent this from ever happening happening again unfortunately sure. because yeah. the world is imperfect and people are imperfect and this this probably will happen again but if it even prevents one child from being overlooked by cps and by others um then that it's that's the only solace that you can take from gabriel's story is that people have seen it they've heard it 
and they will do a better job of protecting other kids in the future, I hope. Um, that's one way that I cope. Um, and the same thing, you know, when I cover a murder case where uh, a woman is uh, in a you know domestic violence situation and ultimately is murdered by her partner, it happens. It really is intimate partner abuse. Really is an epidemic, and yeah, I can't explain. Sure. Right, it is, and and I think the more we talk about it. The more other women who are in that situation, and of course, there are women listening to the podcast who are in that situation, because that's what statistics tell us is happening, that they can listen to it and go, okay, I don't want that to be me. Let me take some steps to try and get out of this thing. I hope, you know, I, I, I hope because I have learned. Um, from listening to other true crime podcasts. I have learned uh, basic safety uh, skills as far as like trying to to just be a safer person. I'm a woman, so I am vulnerable. Um, And I've learned ways to keep myself safer by listening to true crime podcasts. So I got to believe that us, you know, who are covering these cases, that at, at the very least, um, yes, people are listening for whatever reason. Some people are in it for the gory details. Some people are not. But at least I hope that they're learning, especially, you know, uh, kids who li- who might listen to it. You know, my teenage daughter listens to true crime podcasts. I hope that she has learned something from it. Women who listen. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really the only solace that I can take. It's 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 really hard sometimes. And, and I often have to have to take a break from covering cases involving kids because I have kids and it really yeah touches me um as i know it does so many other people but um it's a very dark thing and murder is a real thing that happens every single day multiple times a day and i don't you can't explain it but that's how human beings are certain human beings are wired uh, it will continue to happen but i do hope that people learn something from listening to all these true crime podcasts how to be safer yeah uh for sure. By the way, I love your logo with the sugar skull. Oh, thank you so much. I yeah, that's one of my favorites. Too, yeah, Somewhere. that is so cool. <laughs> I love sugar skulls. Yeah, it's uh, very cool. Um, my guest today is Jamie Rice. She is the host of Murderish podcast, and her new and newest endeavor is Dirty Money Moves podcast. Check it out where she explores the consequences of financial violence and a case that is very personal to her. I highly recommend it. Uh, Jamie. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Collier. Glad I met you. And I'm going to start listening to your show now. I started listening to one of the episodes and now I'm like, okay, I've got to hear your whole story. So I'm glad we met and I appreciate you having me on your podcast. You're most certainly welcome. Glad we met too. I want to thank Jamie for being on the podcast. And God, doesn't she have a great voice? It's just like, it's like one of those made for just, yeah, like podcasting. It's so cool. It's a good thing she's doing that. Um, I want to thank her for also sharing her new program, Dirty Money Moves, because I think it's I think it's very fascinating. I also love, you know, for me and and as I've said before, with my sort of journey into this true crime world, it's very personal for me. And to hear also, especially with this new program that Jamie is doing, Dirty Money Moves. Um, how that is a personal story to her, having worked at Bank of California and dealt with this woman. And, you know, when I talked about chutzpah earlier, uh, you know, the McDonnell Douglas fortune, like, 
That's a lot. Um, you know, I think some of you guys have seen Inventing Anna, uh, which is a new series that's come out, or um, Bad Vegan, which was a which was a docu series. Um, you know, it's it's interesting when these people pull these sort of pull these scams uh, and and just. You know, I think that like when you're trying to pretend that you're someone else in order to take advantage of people financially, I mean, it's horrible. And, you know, not to mention all the other potential things that could have happened with this, uh, you know, Hollywood manager or agent, wherever he was, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think, again, for me, coming from a violent crime background, right, with the murder of my mother, me almost getting thrown probably right next to her in, in her grave. Um, I, I do feel that a lot of the time, and I'm going to talk more about, about financial crime and victimization um, because I'm, I do personally feel like in the current state of the world, like yes, murders and kidnappings and rapes and whatever true crime interests serial killings are horrible things. I really feel like financial crime is almost worse because I feel like it spawns all of that. If that makes sense, you know, if you're in a desperate situation with money, if you have all your money stolen, like by a Bernie Madoff or by this Ann McDonald or, or Mary McDonald, um, I think that you, that can, you know, spurn suicide and or or just family abuse, familial abuse, you know, spousal abuse, uh, domestic violence, and then you know possibly killing arguments. Spouse, I feel it's a very slippery slope to go down, and I think that you know programs like this, you know, with Jamie and her passion, having been sort of on the sidelines and seeing it happen, play out in real life. Uh, you know, it's great to call attention to these things. And I hate, um, I hate seeing people victimized of any crime or anything really. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's interesting. It poses some questions and I'm going to have more people on to talk about this that have been victims of Ponzi schemes. I myself was one as well, but it played out differently than you might think. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, there is there, there's a lot to be said and discussed on this issue and I'm and I'm really cool with it. But you know what? It doesn't really matter what I think all the time. It matters what you guys think. So please reach out via DMs, reach out. You know, I'm doing uh, Instagram lives every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, but I also am going to start doing TikTok lives. I've randomly been doing them, but I'm going to get on a schedule with you guys. You can check it out there. Um, you know, uh, hit me up with the DMs, email movingpastmurder at gmail.com. Uh, I, I want to hear from you guys. I mean, it's now that more and more of you uh, are joining the program and listening and supporting. Um, there's a lot more of them to comb through. And I, and I do try to see every message guys. I do try to respond as much as I can. I do get them, you know, uh, it, it goes straight to me in my account and I try to respond as much as I can. But for those of you who don't, it, it might just mean I run, I do while I make this podcast happen and grow bigger and bigger, I do have a, <laughs> I am a filmmaker and I do have a career that I'm working on too. So, uh, but I thank you guys for the support and for reaching out. Cause I listen and I read everything. So, um, on that note, I'm Collier Landry and this is moving past murder. Thanks y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please 
subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.